So, cheer me up, babe. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Zappuccino, <laughs> Zappuccino. <laughs> Listening to the Grand Old Podcast, episode number 41. We are back. I am Hamish Carton. I've had a great month away from the podcast scene. Same yeah. go for you, John McGinley. Yeah, I love a comeback story. I love a comeback story. This is the weird rocky too right now. Paul Fisher, what you've been up to in the last month? Uh, absolutely nothing. Working hard, eating healthy, going to the gym, all that kind of stuff, you know. If you believe that, you believe absolutely anything. Yes, we apologise for no show uh, over the last month. I was looking actually, the last podcast, episode 40, went out exactly a month ago from the date we are now recording, which is the 6th of December. So we apologise for that. Um, various things got in the way. For example, I've started a new job, so things like that. Um, we were away for a bit. Yes, we were away for a bit indeed. But we're hopefully going to make up for lost time uh, on today's show. On today's show, we've got a, a kind of bit of a review of the Anderlecht game yesterday. We're each going to pick up a bit of a criticism and, and chat about that for a little bit. We're then going to review the Champions League campaign as a whole before looking ahead to where we are now, which is in the Europa League. Is there promise in the Europa League in 2018 Ooh. for Celtic? And then we're going to have all the other trimmings from the last month or so, some personal highlights since the last show, etc. Right, Anderlecht game yesterday, a 1-0 mm-hmm. defeat, of course, as we know, our seventh home Champions League game in a row without a win. Paul Fisher, how important is it to have a good home record and why? I think it's it's one of the things that you, you have to have and if you're wanting to co- compete at the top level. A home fortress, as we always call Celtic Park, is, <laughs> is important. It's not been that for a few years. What's the opposite of a fortress? Uh, a hole. <laughs> right. Parkhead is now a hole. It's been blown, blown <laughs> to smithereens by various uh, attacking forces that have came over from Europe um, and invaded Scotland. But it, it seems to be that. Bloody hell, that's a bit medieval. <laughs> I, was, I thought that was quite a pretty good metaphor, but um, it seems to be that now um, I think there's more to it than the fact that we need a, the home uh, fortress. We need we need a lot more than than that when it comes to Champions League football. But, we need a drawbridge, if you will. Uh, exactly. We need a mo- We need we need archers on the on the towers. We we need everything to defend us. But um, it's 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 difficult to to kind of comprehend the fact that we haven't won a game in so long, because I think you would automatically think that the Man City game last season almost felt like a victory, um, and then you go, you go back to other games where we've came so close. But it's it's difficult, and this one was was difficult to swallow because um, you think. 
this is a team who, who we were directly in opposition with. We knew that when the draw was made, and we thought the, the game against them at home, the last game when, when the fixtures came out, was going to be crucial. It was crucial, but we thought we would have been going out on a high in terms of, of turning them over. Yeah, obviously, in terms of the context of the group, it was mm-hmm. virtually a meaningless game. Anderlecht yeah, had to win by three is, goals yeah. um, to finish ahead of us and grab that elusive Europa League spot. But um, the result didn't still didn't come, John. How important do you think it is? And it's something that Brendan Rodgers touched on before the match, is that he wanted to deliver and he wanted the team to deliver a home win in the Champions League. How important is it, do you think, that we didn't get that off, that monkey off our back, so to speak? And, and will the team perhaps suffer for that in the future? <laughs> Perhaps. I think this is the first time since Brendan Rodgers has been at the club that he's been more raging after the game than I have. He was fizzing. He was fizzing. You could tell he was fizzing at half-time because he made two substitutions and he was fizzing at full-time. And I didn't have that depth of feeling about last night's game. I have to be honest, I was very much more philosophical about the game in terms of it was a meaningless game at the end of the day. We were never, ever going to go out last night, regardless of what happened. Anderlecht were never scoring three goals. Hmm. And I understand that the criticism last night, and it was a hard result to take. But, I, but from a pers- on a personal level, I just didn't care that much because I just I, I feel like the context has been overlooked here in terms of we didn't need to win, so we were never going to raise our game to win. It was more about laying down a marker, bringing confidence into the Europa League, and while those things are important, I mean, I, I just at the end of the day, we've been saying for a few months now that. The, this group was effectively a two-legged tie against Anderlecht and we won that tie 3-1 mm. Yeah, I totally get that argument um, I just think I didn't. I know I, I looked at it as a two-legged tie at the start and that, that's what it turned out to be effectively with the group because we didn't pick up any of points elsewhere against Bayern or PSG neither did Anderlecht I just think when it was kind of so long ago and we we virtually when you look at it we did virtually qualify after that second match yeah we did in, in yeah. terms of Anderlecht would have had to do something remarkable for them not to um, for them to finish ahead of us sorry so I just looked at this final game as a real opportunity for the team was, to, to show us kind of how far they'd come from last season in the Champions League they've had a few beatings this year Bayern PSG twice they're difficult games this was a game against a team that are probably a similar standing to, in fact they are a similar standing, champions of Belgium, it's a team that we should be looking to beat at home and put on a show, especially when the pressure seemed to be off, I just felt it was a real kind of missed opportunity and I just felt feel that it was a real opportunity to, to send everyone away in a high into the, the winter months, of course we've got these league games coming up in the cup etc but it was a real chance to kind of send everyone off in a high for the first half of the European campaign and say look we're going to come into the Europa League and we're going to be full of confidence and I just feel now, and I know the Europa League's still two, three months away, but I just feel now that everyone's just they're kind of dreading the Europa League a bit more than they were before. And I just feel like it was a, a real disappointing night. Disappointing's yeah. probably the words. I get that, that perception though, but I think I mean I'll be the first one to criticise the team if we go out with a whimper in the Europa League, regardless of who would draw, etc. But I just feel like every I feel like perhaps last night was perhaps a Accumulation of how people have been feeling gradually about the team over the last few months in terms of where we were from last season, the European campaign as a whole. I feel like it came to a head last night, but for me, last night wasn't as surprising to me as it maybe was for other people because I feel like at Champions League level for a while now, I'd feel like the team 
isn't quite at that level, and I, f- I feel like I, I feel like I knew that already. And nothing surprised me about last night's performance. But I mean, Perhaps I mean, like, that's they, t- they turned three 0 over no, I know. Brussels. Like, yeah. I know, I know they've improved since then, but surely the team. And I don't want to go into it too much because we're kind of going over our old yeah. ground already, even though it was only a day ago. But I just feel that the team should have been better against a team like that. They should have, but yeah. I, at the same time, I understand the the context of it, and I understand that our limitations at this level too. So, for me, it was just for me personally, it wasn't the disaster that has been painted at, mm. being painted as by some people. We've each got our kind of bone of contention for yeah. last night's game. We're each going to raise it and then we're each going to discuss it and then see if we agree or not. Uh, it was a Belgian team we were playing last night, and fittingly, Paul, you've got a Belgian player that you want to, to bring up and talk about. Yes, yeah, so it's the centre half that didn't score the, the own goal, um, Dedrick Boyata. And I think this game in isolation is, is a wider picture of his form and his way that he's percep- perception as a Celtic player. I just don't think he's. The, the guy that we want going forward I just don't think he's quite there um, we've been trying for a while we've been giving him slack in terms of right, we'll, we'll give him another game we'll give him another couple of games to, to prove that, that he's there but there's always something you think especially at European level he's got a mistake in him and although these mistakes aren't aren't big blunders they aren't like F.A. Ambrose-esque they're, they're, mm. they're, they're smaller and they it's the way of reading the game like when Simunovic is there you always feel like he he commands his area and when he's got support from, from yeah. Brown or in Cham or whatever he's fine but when Boyata's left exposed and you always you're always kind of look, watching the game through your fingers almost it's like I, I just think he, he he's out of his depth and it might be harsh to say but I just don't think he, he he's quite got it for us and um, we were talking about it last night and John said Sviatchenko at least proved that he, he could play and for a consistent period of time for a consistent number of games he, he was the man and obviously he's dropped off and he's had injury problems but so has Boyata Boyata's been he's been chosen by, by Rodgers as the man to, to go forward this is the, the pairing that he seems to be picking but I just don't think Boyata's there and even in even against a team like Anderlecht, you expect them to know they've got good players and the the, the strike force in, in their midfield attackers are, are good, but they're not the level that we, we should be aspiring mm. to and he can't even deal with that. And Well, I, th- I, th- I see what you're saying. I think, though, see, defensively, though, he's solid enough. Like, I, I don't think he's... I, I agree with you. I don't think he is long-term answer. I think in terms of looking at last night in isolation, you'd maybe be quite far down on the list of people who I would... Like pick out that was at fault for last night. I think there was yeah. a few more in the team that, and I, I feel like Boyata never hides, does he? He's always looking to show for the ball and and be on the ball. But I think defensively he can deal with forwards. I mean, I don't think Anderlecht. I don't think they did too much to us. Like I I felt like they had a couple of chances, but they were all the apart from maybe one. They were all like saves that Craig Gordon maybe should have made or kind of half chances there was that one glaring chance in the first 90 seconds of the game yeah. and after that I don't feel like they really sliced us open to any great degree and in terms of like Beata's defensive work last night was okay it's when he's on the ball for me that just I, th- I feel like he brings pressure onto the defence I think his passing you know 90% of passing success rate right so 9 times out of 10 he's finding his man but on the few occasions that he doesn't, it puts the defence under real pressure. And the passes that he does make to other players, it's either to Gordon or it's to um, Suminovic or it's to Tierney. 
I mean, he gets caught in these kind of hesitant passing triangles and it seems to stem from him. When he has possession of the ball and he's looking to step forward, he inevitably passes it back to Craig Gordon and it's really frustrating. Yes. Puts us under pressure. If he tries to pass it into the midfield, he's letting it go. And that happened two or three times last night where it could have resulted in a goal against the better team. Mm. Now, I, f- I feel like teams do. I'd let him have possession of the ball because I know I think teams know that he's he's kind of that weak link for me. And that's where my frustration comes from. I don't think he's good enough to play that role. This will sound harsh to some people, like we're singling him out, but it's not really about last night. It's about his whole the last year of his performances for me. And I think going forward, if we go forward with Boyata, I think we'll come to regret it. Hmm. I quite liked Paul's kind of statement that he made that he's just not quite good enough. Like he's not like a disaster, like an Effie Ambrose or someone of that degree. But he's just not quite good enough for who we want to be. And I think that's spot on, to be honest. I think when you're you're talking about the the kind of distribution element of his game, I feel that is something that lets him down. I mean, if you compare him to someone of a completely um, different standard and, and the level of Virgil van Dijk, when he was coming out, you felt composed and he was able to pick a pass. And if he didn't have a pass on, he'd run with the ball and he'd drive the team forward. And I just feel that Boyata does let himself down um, in that as- aspect of his game. Defensively, I think Josef Samunovic is a much better option. I think that, as Paul said, I think that he, you get the impression that he's making last-ditch challenges and he's he's kind of sliding in and he's stopping attacks and he's make, being a presence, whereas a lot of the time I just get the impression that, that Boyata is just kind of there and he's happy to be running after a player or chasing after a player but not really making he's, much he's of an impact. He's good in there though, Boyata's good well, in there. He is, and it, he adds you something attacking-wise as well because mm. the amount of headed goals he scored in the last six months is, or the last year, sorry, mm. is, is incredible. So I do, I do feel that we need a, a different option. I don't think the option is, is Eric Sviachenko. I think it's a case of absence making the heart forget how bad he was because I, I just think that he, he's not a, he's not an option at Champions League level. He was found out last year in the Champions League as well. I think we need another centre back to go next to Jozo Sunjunovic. That is the the conclusion that I've come to from these six games in the Champions League. We need a defensive partnership, and I think Sunjunovic is good enough if he can stay fit, which I get is a big question. But I think we need someone next to him of a similar ability, um, certainly better than than Derek Boyata. That, that's that's how I look at things anyway. John, what's your um, bone of contention? I just wanted to dig into Brendan Rodgers' comments after the game where he says it was a, it was a wake-up call. I don't know the exact quote to, to paraphrase. He said something like it was a wake-up call for players who think that they're Champions League level, which is a really cut-in remark, and I don't have a problem with what he said. Who's he talking about? He's talking about well, he's talking about Stuart Armstrong. I don't know if he's talking about Scott Sinclair too, but it feels like those comments are barbs aimed at those players, and I think he's absolutely spot-on. I think that I think in the case of Stuart Armstrong in particular, after all that happened in the summer, I think he had a lot to prove that he was still of a calibre, that he, the, the level that he reached last season and whether he could step up, step up to European competition. And I think it's been proven that he, he can. I don't think he can. I agree I with you. I think he's got the technical ability. I think he's got a real mentality problem when it comes to Europe. And I think he's he's always had that with us. Last night I thought I was I was raging at him in the first half. I mean, fair enough, he gave the ball away in a few occasions, which is bad enough. But it was the 
this kind of thing he did where he wasn't tracking back run- runners and when you think of Stuart Armstrong the first thing that comes to my mind is that kind of dynamic powerful running box to box box to box sorry type attitude and that wasn't there at all last night he almost seemed he seemed well, scared to, to put his own his own kind of foot into the game and get involved in the match it's almost as if he feels he can boss Scottish Premiership games it's, but it's almost like he doesn't belong in Europe but when, it's, when he got kind of put out onto the left his body language was shocking it felt like he gave up the game and I was I was fizzing at him yeah, I was raging at him as well and so it was, was Rogers, obviously yeah so obviously and I mean people after the game I was praising Scott Brown on Twitter and people were having a go saying you know Scott Brown was missing he goes missing and you know he had a terrible game in that but I don't think people understand that Scott Brown was effectively playing against that Anderlecht midfield of his own in the first half mm. and he obviously is going to be getting caught or players are going to be like finding space behind him because he's not getting any help from Stuart Armstrong at all Stuart Armstrong barely tracked back in that first half and that, that's not acceptable yeah. for me There was as I say a few occasions in the first half where he was literally letting a player do a one-two around him and not tracking the runner. It was incredible to see. I couldn't believe it, especially from, from Stuart Armstrong. And I, I don't know quite what it was down to. I don't know if, if Paul has any ideas. I, I just I don't know why, the, the, the way he was playing, I don't know if it was because he was slightly out of position or um, I don't know if it's just a European stage because when whenever I see it, Stuart Armstrong's name on the team sheet in the starting 11 of the European game, I'm always a bit kind of confused because I just don't think he's there in terms of a, a European level player. And the the main thing that brought that to the fore for me last night was when he made, when Rogers made the substitutions. And obviously Rogic and Cham have got a point to prove they didn't start the game and they're coming off the bench. But the two of them changed the game completely. There were two of them were two mm. bright sparks in the game, and they done more in five minutes than than Armstrong and and Sinclair had done in forty five and. I just don't think I think Armstrong maybe an impact off the bench for 15 minutes 20 minutes in a European game would work in a much better way than, than starting a game he just doesn't seem to be uh, at the races into, at all uh, in European games and see just to go back to Boyata for a second I know like we've criticised him for in general but see last night like he didn't have any options no, nobody from the midfield was dropping in to give him a passing yeah. option and was actually, there was one moment when I think it was after Anderlecht scored, and they were they were complaining that Craig Gordon was time wasting, and it was actually because there was no options for him yeah. at all. And, and the yeah. same goes for Boyata. There was there was points in the game yesterday where, and I was right behind them. There was literally no options for them, and you did have a, a great deal of sympathy for them on those occasions. Mm-hmm. And that and that's on Armstrong, it's on McGregor, and it's on Scott Brown to a degree as well. Um, interesting to note, Scott Brown didn't misplace a single pass last night. Um, hmm. But that's just I know I know people go on about how passing stats are meaningless, but I think it's a sign that he had the composed head last night. I think he was the coolest man on the pitch last night, and I think Scott uh, sorry Stuart Armstrong was the most panicky player on the on the pitch mm. last night out of all the players, and it, that's that's acceptable if you're eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and it's you know you've not really had a taste of European football before. But Stuart Armstrong's like been gradually bled into this team over the last couple of years. And has had uh, uh, coming off the back of his best season ever, and he should be taking these games by the scruff of the neck. It's not like we're playing Paris Saint Germain; we're playing Anderlecht, you know. So, mm. I was very disappointed. I'm strong last night. Mm. Scott Brown does have a real ability in, in these games. He has like a strength, but also just a, a calmness and possession that I think we do lack in the midfield. I don't know. Maybe in Cham is the the option for the future. He certainly did well when he came on in the second half. In terms of my uh, bone of contention, as we're calling it, um, 
I mean, I, I just wonder in the second half what was going on in an attacking sense. You had James Forrest playing right back, and it, it was clear to see that Brendan Rodgers had almost settled for not going out and not finishing bottom of the group he was almost kind of trying not to lose by three goals which I thought was really interesting because it was the most defensive I've certainly seen Celtic against a team of Anderlecht's ability and I just thought it was very interesting there's been all this chat about Rodgers possibly being more pragmatic which is a word that's been used and he's taken real offence at this and last night's performance it was certainly much more defensive pragmatic call Mm. it what you want than there has been against teams like Anderlecht I can accept it I think people are calling out for it against the likes of Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich but games like last night James Forrest was playing right back last night for the second half and I'm just wondering what was going on there Did you hear him admit it after the game? He basically basically said he changed it 10 minutes in because Anderlecht were just overrunning us Right and he, he he was worried that the game was going to run away from us, so he he didn't change he didn't like change it too much until until the break. But he admitted himself that he just wanted Celtic to weather the storm for the initial period because Anderlecht were all over us in the first yeah. twenty minutes. Right, that's interesting. Maybe yeah, that's my my point a wee bit redundant, but no, no, that, I I think you're right because I mean we talk he's talked all about abandoned like he's not going to abandon his philosophy. And then twenty minutes into a game against Anderlecht, that's when he decides to. Just, I don't mm. know about that. Positives, Paul. Positives, positives. Um, Champions League's over. No more <laughs> horrible defeats. Yes, no more uh, thrashings. Um, we touched on it, Scott Brown. I thought. Again, um, showed his his class and the fact that he's um, he's got that another one of these made up records in terms of most perform performances in Europe or most games in Europe. Um, it's obviously good for him and it's good for us the fact that he's been such a mainstay on the side and we do see it and I don't care what Andy says when he doesn't play we notice the difference it happens all the time and he he was good last night he was good last night and without him God knows what could have happened so. Um, positive Scott Brown Champions League's over we're, we're still in Europe I think that's about that Was his huddle good last night? Oh it was brilliant it was, yeah. commenting yeah, it was, on it was really good Yeah it was good he's, he's uh, But passion. I don't know if he's just like that every time but some, on some occasions the cameras just catch it I don't know if you noticed that Anderlecht did a huddle as well I don't know if the TV camera showed it No But did they? But yeah, uh, it was very interesting. What but was the atmosphere like, Kemish? Because that seemed good on the TV at least. Atmosphere before the game was was really really good. You never walk alone. You know the usual Champions League anthem. The nights are they're always good, aren't they? Really, yeah. bar maybe one the the Munchen Gladbach game is always one that sticks out. But the majority of them before the game are brilliant. Um, Anderlecht fans were, were good banter. They were good, very loud. Probably two and a half thousand odd of them. And atmosphere was was good throughout the game, but. It wasn't one of the top ones, and that was simply because the team weren't giving the fans anything to really get behind. And uh, yeah, I think there was a feeling of it being the, the last game as well. The, the crowd kind of responded in the second half, didn't they? When kind mm. of when Cham kind of injected a bit of spark into the the team, I felt like the crowd responded. And then for about five minutes, <laughs> the team responded on the back of that. Before just before Anderlecht scored, really, and after, mm. from the point Anderlecht scored on, we just looked nervous again. But, I mean, we need to say Olivier and Cham as well. Was I thought he was very good coming off the bench last night. He was. Um, not an easy match to come into. And I felt like he really proved the point. And I really want to see him now develop and get yeah. games in the team, um, perhaps over others. 
You saw you saw why he's going to be crucial for us in Europe if he plays because he, he already he'd been on he'd been on a minute I think in the second half and he'd already played a through ball to Kieran Tierney that would nowhere seen that in the first half so I think he does add something else to the team and hopefully he can progress and maybe cut out the kind of careless passing and the careless things it's always been a thing with him that he does the hard things really well and it's almost the simple things he struggles with so hopefully he can kind of coach those yeah. silly mistakes out when he can become a player and the first team is certainly a better option than Armstrong in Europe When you think about the team performance I don't want to get too deep into it and go on and on about it but you look at our big, the big names in our team like Mr Dembele Kieran Tierney you know they didn't perform last night either. I don't want to. I don't want it to seem like we're picking out one or two players from mm. last night because none of the players were were good last night. I don't think, and, and the big name players. That's the kind of stage that they should be making their name on. And I felt like I thought Kieran Tierney was really poor last night, and I think it should has to be noted because he he gets so much praise and people love him and rightly so. But I feel like last night specifically was a really poor performance for him, and I think that needs, that deserves to be called out. Same with missing Dembele, I thought he was very poor in possession last night. He just seemed slow, he just mm. seemed like he wasn't running to the ball. Eduard almost did more when he came on in terms of hassling the defenders and backing into to long balls. I get the fact that it wasn't a game for Dembele really in, in terms of the fact that he likes balls threaded in behind and he likes to be on his own at the top end of the pitch and it was kind of high balls getting fired up to him but he wasn't He wasn't at it um, and I agree with you with Tierney as well. It was kind of a bit of an off day an off day for him and I think it's right that we're, we're seen as impartial and we criticise even our, our favourite players when they don't perform so uh, yeah we'll talk about the group stage campaign as a whole um, first of all I want to get your guys thoughts we did it last year when we did a kind of European review and I think we'll do it at this stage we'll do a Champions League review uh, campaign as a whole including the qualifying rounds Linfield, Rosenberg, Astana um, give us a rating out of 10 for how you thought we got on in the Champions League John um, I'll, I'll go a 7 7 out of 10 yeah. What's your thinking behind that? I just feel like we've done everything that we set to do we've achieved our goals and that's why last night it was a poor result but I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't really angry I wasn't really disappointed because we, we had a clear goal in mind at the start of this group stage and we achieved it and I know that the, the road there wasn't the prettiest and it wasn't at times it was really difficult to take but we came through qualifying that's what I expected us to do and we finished third in the group which is what I expected us to do after that draw was made so 7 out of 10 not magic not amazing but good you know decent mm. I'm going kind of straight down the middle I think the fact that we've met our targets first of all by getting into the group stage of the Champions League but I almost feel like that was kind of last year's target and this year we were expected and then beyond there our target this year is to get into the Europa League so we've done that fair enough I'm, I'm, I'm honestly I'm as much as I'm about to criticise the team in a second I'm really kind of proud of them and the fact that they've got ahead of Anderlecht you've got to remember we were the fourth team in the group we finished third so we're kind of up one and are expected um, or where we were expected to finish I just think some of the performances I think four out of the six performances in the, the group stage were were below par they were really disappointing and we lost one of the other two as well so I just think it was disappointing I don't think you can have too many good feelings out of a group stage when you've lost five of the matches and the performances twice against PSG and last night were, were as disappointing as they were so I think there's massive room for impro- improvement at this level um, I'm actually starting to doubt whether this team is capable of improving at this level because I, I expected much more I think last year was looked at as the kind of 
development year, a feel of the Champions League. Brendan Rodgers said as much, and then this year I was hoping. I was hoping for a bit more. I think it was good we got our victory, but at the end of the day, we've got the same points as last year. Uh, and I thought last night was disappointing. It's kind of soured the whole Champions League experience a little bit for me. Uh, so, straight down the middle, a five for me. Oh, Ooh. that's harsh. What were you, Paul? Well, I'm trying to remember what I went last year for the overall, and I think I went six, and Hamish criticised me. Um, and now he's See, foot. Hamish was happy last year. We were gutted, and now was... Hamish is gutted and but, happy. This is bizarre. Do you, do you not? Do you not feel last year that it's all about? I, 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 love, I love this thing about. I know, but well, that's where I think I'm slightly. My mind is different from you guys because I'm about competing, and I know that sounds like I'm. I don't mean competing. I'm, I'm happy to lose as long as you compete. I mean competing matches. And last year we competed in every match apart from the game mm-hmm. in the new camp. This year we've, we've lost twice to PSG and Bayern without even laying a glove on them. And I get that they're PSG and Bayern for a reason, but I just feel that last year there was. I, th- I think the team of. I honestly believe the team of digre- eh, regress. Sorry, yeah. eh, since, since last season. Can't have that. Uh, I, I agree. We're, we're only third place because Anderlecht are terrible. <laughs> no. Let's be honest. Right. I'm. I'm going. My rating is. Is I was going to go six and a half, but I'm going to go seven out of ten. <laughs> um, simply because I'm thinking because you've you've wrote in the, on our um, our sheet that qualifying is included, right? So the five 0 game, like, I don't think you can discount that. That that game was massive. That's one of the best games of the season. Nearly um, chucked away in the second leg. I, I'm, I'm talking about that game in isolation. That game was fantastic. We always nearly, we always nearly fuck it in the second leg. Aye, so <laughs> that's that's an irrelevance just now. In terms of that, <laughs> um, in fact, you say we've digressed. Right, we've, we've got the same points. Progressed. But we've won a game. So we we we've won a game in the Champions League, which we didn't do last year. I know we got three draws, but the the, the second game against Man City last year. Did it count in terms of a, a huge occasion because it didn't really mean anything at all? I would argue no. We last season we went to to Germany and we got a draw and we were absolutely delighted. This season we went away from home. Okay, we went to Anderlecht, probably a poorer team, but we got a three 0 victory. That's it's quite incredible. That victory in Anderlecht was magic. That can be understood. Yeah, we no, it, it was absolutely brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And I think the fact in terms of overall that. We went into the game with went into this this group with a plan to finish third in the group, and we we, we pretty much had that signed sealed after the second round of games. After that, we we were looking forward. We weren't looking at the second place in the group. We were looking to cement third, and I know we didn't do that until the the, the whistle blew last night. But we were never under a huge amount of pressure against Anderlecht at home. We know we had a poor performance, but. In the grand scheme of things, it's it's a difficult thing to do to to know that you're the team that that are defending this lead. Uh, it's different when it comes to knockout because the group stage is all there's all these permutations and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that we have going into the Europa League with three points last year, we didn't. There's so many more positives to be had, and I think the Champions League qualifying was better. Um, we never had any real. Like, I know the Astana was, was was difficult away from home, but. It was last season. It was so tough, and do you remember Rosenberg? I remember Rosenberg, but I never had that feeling. And when we scored that goal against Rosenberg, and I, even when we we do now now at home, I still thought we were good enough to go over there and 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 get a result. But we never had that like clinging on for dear life in the last minute, mm. and we we were always looking good to get to the Champions League. We wanted to get to the Europa League. After that, we've done that as well. So I think overall, um, despite a couple of pumpings 
it's a successful campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I take what you, you've said on board there. I think there's some good points there, definitely. In terms of uh, how good an achievement it is getting this third place and qualifying for the Europa League, uh, is this possibly the first time that we've dropped out? Certainly to the Europa League, I think it is. I know we did it to the UEFA mm-hmm. Cup in maybe 2004. Where, where does it rank in terms of Brendan Rodgers at Celtic achievements in terms of mm. up against the treble last year and up against qualifying for the Champions League no. in his first season? Where does it rank? It's, I don't think it's like a super achievement or anything. I think you need to take into account that Anderlecht aren't a very good team. I think we did what we, was expected of us, and that's fine. Sometimes that's just what you need to settle for. I don't think... Mm. like We're never going to always overachieve. And I think last season, I think winning the treble without dropping a single game along the way, yeah, that was, was that was over over and above above and beyond what we expected and a real achievement. I think this is just this is Celtic Football Club playing at the level that it's supposed to, and eking out results in a way that allows them to progress or feel like they're making tangible progression. Now you can argue that on the pitch we've regressed from last year, but I think like the fact that we're in the round of 32 knockout round as a tangible marker of success that we'll look back on and say that was important for the growth of this team and Brendan Rodgers isn't here for a season he's here for four years it's a process he's here for ten in a row John he's here for ten in a row and uh, it's a process and I think this is part of that process and I know it didn't go to plan but sometimes stuff just doesn't go to plan and you've just got to suck it up and accept it and I think that Overall, we got the job done, and and that's what I'll, I'll, that's the the bare minimum of what I'll expect from Celtic. But I don't I don't think it's a super achievement, and I don't think we should be putting this as a, a, a supreme achievement of Brendan Rodgers. Mm. It's just that he delivered what he said he was going to do, and that was finished third in the group. Mm. It's worth remembering we did just finish behind Bayern Munich in the group uh, and safely into third place. In terms of the team, Paul, will they? What would they learn from this six-game experience like they did possibly last year, or like they maybe didn't last year? Well, that, that's the kind of one thing you need to look at. Did the, did the team learn from from last year? And uh, as John said, on the pitch, did we did we go backwards slightly? Mm. I don't. It's difficult to, to to really judge it because it's the opponents. I think is 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 one of the the big things you look at. And no offense to Barcelona or Man City. But Bayern Munich and the Bayern Munich we played over there and the PSG team, they're, they're a level above what they were last season, I think. Um, I th- would think, even though, obviously, Bayern Munich have turned, turned PG, PSG over at home, but the two teams, like, winning every game and winning a game against the other sides, it, it's it's what they expect to do and what they, everybody would expect them to do, but it doesn't always go like that. So for us to... To look at our team and go right, where do we go and what have we learned and stuff like that? It's very, very difficult to to look at it and see, right, where can we go better? Where can we go? Um, what can, what can we do? Because we're playing against these teams that are on such a such a high level that it's always going to be difficult for us to compete. Um, I think the fact that we won a won a game away from home is the the, the one of the key things in this this whole experience of this Champions League group. That we went away from home and we won and we won comfortably and we kept a clean sheet. That doesn't happen, um, or it hasn't happened for Celtic, and it, it can't be understated regardless of opposition. So it's difficult to look at the the experience of the six games and go, right, this is what we've done wrong. This is what we could improve because there's so many variables. 
I just hope that they will learn from from big defeats and, and what we can do better defensively and, and, and will Brendan Rodgers change his philosophy and and whether we can set up in a way that, that can mitigate some of the factors that, that cost us six goals or seven goals. Mm. I've got a stat for you here. Um, we were one of the, the five teams to come off the or come out of the, the Champions route into the group stage. I think the other four eh, off the top of my mind were Olympiacos, Carabag, eh, the Cypriot team, and maybe one more, that Maribor, I think it was. And eh, out of all these teams, we're the only team that, that came through Champions route to win a game in the, in the Champions League this season, and also the only one that didn't finish bottom of their group. I mean, I don't think that's as much a, a kind of... A comment in, in praise and, and saying that Celtic have really achieved well here. I think it's more having a go at the the Champions League and and kind of what it's become nowadays. I mean, the Champions League is is a tournament now for the, for the big teams and not the champions of minor countries. We found that out that we are one of the better performing Champions Route teams and we've been hammered for four of the six games. So, as an interesting one, but I mean. You look at these these other teams and you see the way they're performing. It does make you wonder, John, whether the Champions League is is broken for champions of smaller nations. Yeah, it totally is, and and in a way, it's how it's really frustrating because this competition for us at the top level isn't isn't there for us anymore, and we've got to be honest and admit that we're never going to be there. I don't think we're never going to reach a quarter final of this competition. Like I, I think about it, but just not going to. Mm. And I, I don't think that's a criticism of Celtic. I just think it's the reality of modern football, as TV rights in other countries balloon, and as our own um, opportunity to earn revenue is kind of stagnant. Our only uh, the, the only way we can do that is through the group stages of the Champions League. I think, and which involves riding a gauntlet all summer that is only going to get harder and harder every year and mm. it's harder ne- next year than it was l- this year and last year I think it's uh, I think it's interesting that we're the only team to do that I, I, I think that it's a sign that Celtic belong in the Champions League in this kind of second tier of teams that feed into the competition but I feel like at this point the way UEFA have Conducted or developed competition over the last 20 years, it means we're kind of just making up the numbers now and hoping to get into the Europa League, and that's a sad thing. I'm not going to deny it. It's a sad thing. And I think you've got to take that into account as well because you look at the PSG and Bayern Munich, how do we compete for that? It's just, I feel like it's impossible. How many shocks can you guys actually think of from that group stage that's just finished? Like yeah. genuine shocks of smaller teams? Because I'm actually racking my brains and I can't think of one smaller team actually beating a big team. And it's it's quite it's quite scary. It's it's almost as if like shocks happen in, in league football. It's almost as if because the big teams, because they know it's the Champions League, they're in the top of their game and they're just far too good for for teams like us, for teams like Anderlecht, for teams like Olympiacos. Can you know big European names that are just blown us at or blown apart by these by these kind of big I mean big teams but teams with money as well. It brings on this debate about whether the Europa League is perhaps the promised land and these Thursday nights are going to become um the nights that we treasure and look forward to, certainly after Christmas. It's where we're at now and uh, it's something we're we're really looking forward to. The Europa League as we know I've got some stats here for, for people or some facts, some basic information about the tournament because it's been I think it's been a couple of years since we were in the Europa League, certainly a couple of years since we've been in the last 32, that Inter Milan tie that 
lot of the, the fans will, will remember that was a, a fantastic tie certainly the home game the 3-3 game so basically we're entering this Europa League at the same round as we did that time it's around the 32 uh, it's worth noting it's around the 32 not the round of 16 as it is in the Champions League so there's there's effectively two additional games one one additional tie the draw is on Monday it's the last 32 draw it's, it's made up of 16 seeded and 16 unseeded teams due to our Champions League group points tally being one of the lowest of the Champions League dropouts we will be unseeded for the draw and we'll face either a group winner from the Europa League or one of the four top Champions League dropouts uh, so the four top dropouts were confirmed tonight they are Red Bull Leipzig Sporting Lisbon Atletico Madrid and CSKA Moscow the final round of Europa League games will take place on Thursday night but already confirmed as group winners and therefore potential opponents are Arsenal Lazio AC Milan Red Bull Salzburg another Red Bull team and Villarreal Seven more group winners will be confirmed on Thursday with the likes of Dinamo Kiev, Braga and Zenit St. Petersburg likely to be added to the list of potential opponents. And one more thing, the fact is that we will have the first leg at home on the 15th of February with the return leg away a week later. So there's a lot of information there to, to digest. Paul, what are you thinking about this Europa League? Have you had any thoughts about the kind of teams that you want to face in the draw? It's, you're weighing up the options. You're whether you want a a big team to think one of the bigger teams such maybe AC Milan that are European legends but aren't as good as they once were or do you want a, a really winnable tie against a team that you don't really know much about and they've they've done well in the in the Europa League and they've managed to win a maybe a, a comfortable like a group that isn't as strong as, as some of them were years gone past I think for us um, after the the scenario in the, the Champions League we, we want a we want a smaller team I think we have to think right who in that list of 16 who who can we beat over two legs and who can we go away to the ground with a with a good win from Celtic Park and there's a few teams in there that obviously it's not confirmed there's a few teams there that we think we can give them a game um, and, and we could we could turn them over there's a few teams that you think oh, on our day we could beat them and there's a couple of teams that you want to avoid and I think if we avoid the bigger teams in the round of 32 then the confidence grows and if we can manage to get through the first couple of ties then then we can see what happens after that because it's anybody's game when it comes to deep into a season when folk are fighting out for league titles and, and Champions mm. League spots and stuff like that so um a decent tie in the, in the round of 32 and then we'll take it for there. I think that would be the ideal scenario for me. I want to body that Swedish hipster team. Ustersons. Yeah. I want to body them like Barcelona body us. I want to go get over and into the ground. Yeah, treat them really nice on social media, like get their players interviewed in the Daily Record and interview Michael <laughs> Tidzer and have all this, all these puff pieces in the week before the game and just go over there and beat them 6-0. That'd be magic. Mm. I'm not getting too kind of hot and bothered about this whole draw because I, I'll tell you why. I think you look at you look at these games, right? The big teams, Arsenal, AC Milan, get really scared of them. Why? They're in the Europa League for a reason. These teams, they're in the Europa League for a reason. Arsenal are a good team. They're the hardest team we could get Arsenal are nowhere near the level of Bayern Munich or PSG that, that, that's, that's a fact, they're, they're off that level 
So that's what I'm thinking. That's the worst case scenario you can get. The best case scenario is you get a team, as you say, like your Swedish hipsters love Ustersons and you go and you embody them or whatever. You fancy your chances against them. And then there's probably what will happen. It'll be something in between. It'll be a bragger or someone like that. It'll probably be a 50-50 tie. We'll fancy our chances. They'll fancy their chances. I'm not getting too bored. I think the game will come when it comes. And if it's a really tough game, the expectations won't really... Be, be as much or the pressure won't be as much in the players and we'll give as good as we can get and the pressure will be off if it's a Napoli or someone like that we face and likewise if it's a team that we're expected to beat then we've got more chance of going through so I'm not getting overly bored by it if we get a tough team as I say there's not as much pressure on us if we get an easy team or an easier team we're expected to win the game after that hopefully we get through the last 32 after that it just kind of becomes a real kind of lottery because the seeding's all away and you can get anyone effectively so mm-hmm. I'm just looking forward to the draw. Whoever we get, we get, and we'll then take it from there. I'm, I'm not really like the Champions League draw. I was thinking I really want them, I really want them. I'm I'm just kind of happy to get whoever we get in the Europa League. They're in the Europa League for a reason, and we'll take them. I just don't want to get a team like Napoli or Arsenal. That would just be such a downer for me. I, honestly, that would get me down. And I think that we could maybe give them a game at Celtic Park and that, but imagine, imagine we went to Napoli. We'd go over to Napoli, we'd get, we'd get, we'd get beat. And I don't want to be too hard. I'm not trying to be too harsh on Celtic, but it's just really difficult for us to break through to that level, and it's always going to be difficult. I mean, a lot of people say say our domestic league like is an anchor around our neck, but in many ways, like us having a monopoly over Scottish football gives us a good platform to like go on and impress and 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 kind of rounds like this. Now, we've got domestic football over the next few months. We should. Like solidify our place at the top of the table, perhaps open a gap that pretty much wraps wraps things up by the time that we come round to these ties, meaning that we can really focus on them and give it our all. And I think that getting it, we can do that. We can we can give games against we we can give a game to teams against from Portugal or Ukraine or maybe even Russia, and it's going to be really difficult. But I feel like. Drawing a big team like a, a so-called glamour team, but I think that would take the wind of our sails because I don't mm. think this Celtic team have the belief that they can compete with players like that. And I think if we went to Napoli or went to the Emirates, I mean the Emirates is a little bit different psychologically because it's a so-called battle of Britain, mm. etc. But I just feel like a team like Arsenal would just do us, and I think that would be disappointing. So I'm looking for like I'm looking for a team that is going to be competitive, and although they're, they're a good team. You've got to remember they're in Europa League for a reason, but they're also in the round of thirty-two for a reason, which means they've picked up a few wins, they've got mm. a couple of good results, and they're doing all right by the standards of the Europa League. So, I just want to avoid the big teams. I'll take a, I'll take a RB Salzburg who are a good team, but like that's a competitive yeah. tie for us. I'll take a Braga. Yeah. I'll, I, Tyler, that would be good, yeah. I would, I would even take like a team like Atalanta or Lazio, you know, like fifth or sixth in Serie A. Like I know they're good teams with really good players, but I just don't want a team that feels like is above us because I don't think this team, I don't think this team is good at punching up. I think we're good at punching at our level and punching down. I don't think we've got it in us to punch up at the moment, and I don't know why that is. Hmm. It is worth pointing out if folk are shouting at their phones that we can't actually get Napoli. That was right. my fault. They they are one of the lower four teams. So as I say, the the four kind of Champions League dropout teams. Atletico Madrid. Atletico is the one you yeah. want to avoid, isn't mm-hmm. it? But then again, the whole question comes about whether because they're a bigger team, if they wouldn't take it seriously. And I, I know there's a Champions League spot now for the winner, um, as if he needed any more motivation to go and win a European trophy. But uh, 
it brings the whole question over whether there is into it anymore. So it'll be it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that as well. Paul, in, in terms of the Europa League, how how far do you think we can actually go in this competition? I know your answer may well be depends on the draw. Well, it does, but in ter- without looking at the draw because we don't know who we're going to get. Um, looking at the teams that are going to be there, and we know. We know them all because we know the teams that are coming for the Champions League. I mean, look at the other ones that are, some of them are pretty much cut and dry, but the other ones are slight changes. But who's to say, over two legs, right? There's only a handful of teams that you would go, right, that's who you don't want to play. But when it gets to deep stages of competition, then why can we not beat them? Because we're there on merit and so are they. And there's always going to be teams and there's always going to be upsets and various things like that. Um, and I believe it was yourself, Hamish, who said that Brendan <laughs> Rodgers would get us to a European final. So I didn't say this season. Ah, well, but why not this season? Why? Always good listening to the old podcast. Uh, do you want me to give you a thousand reasons why it won't be this season? Why, why wait though? Um, no, I, I, I don't think. <laughs> we'll, I don't. I, I don't think we'll get to the final. I'd love us to get to the final and win it. Or not a chance. Um, we're not going to know until we, we we go into that game at because we play at home first. We're not going to know until we go into that game at Celtic Park. And we see what Celtic turn up as, and we'll see if we've learned any lessons. And mm. we can slaughter the players when they're shy, and we can praise them when they're really good against Lazio. But mm. no, it's really difficult. To, it's really that's the thing about last night. I felt like that maybe would give us confidance, give us an idea of where we're going in Europe. But it's just yeah, because Anderlecht are a kind of team that we come up mm-hmm. against. Probably they're a Europa League kind of team as they were last season. So I, I think I agree with you. That's maybe why last night I felt as if it was all, it was almost like a last sixty-four game of the Europa League, <laughs> and it was a chance to build up some some whatever going into the rest of it. Um, what what do we need to do to to be competitive and? I'm not accepting just improve the defence as an answer, John. I think we need to improve. We need to improve. Like I was saying before, we need to have this kind of underdog spirit about us. Like if we're going to go into the if we're going to go into the Champions League and the Europa League up against it, unseeded against better teams, then we need to get a bit of defiance about us. But I, don't, I feel like this Celtic team doesn't really have that defiance spirit unless we're playing teams domestically or we're trying to preserve some sort of record or we've gone a goal down against Motherwell or we're 1-1 in the Scottish Cup final and it's all up in the air. I feel like in Europe, all of that spirit and that determination, the things that define Brendan Rodgers' Celtic team, completely dissipate in Europe and mm. we need to find a way to bring that. To bring that do, do, you feel, do you feel they, they do seem to have a defiance in the... Would you agree they seem to have a defiance in the qualifying games? Yeah, yeah, that's... Because it. I, I wonder if it's a... I wonder if the kind of two-legged nature and I appreciate mm. it'll probably be harder teams in the likes of Astana and Hapo Beersheva but I mean I wonder if these kind of two-legged affairs will maybe bring that out in them for some reason the competitive knockout element may yeah, help them maybe. I don't know I mean you think about the, the the perception of those qualifiers it's like every, the word that everyone uses as a cliche is gauntlet and it's like we're going into this gauntlet of we should be in the group stages because we're champions of Scotland and we've got to go through this series of matches and it's not fair and I feel like the team respond to that and just dig in and get the job done and maybe you're right maybe that'll happen in, in the knockout mm. stages of Europa but I think the, the group stage the group stage format hasn't suited us for years and years, so I'm glad to get out of that situation and have another go. You'll remember, like, even Ronnie Dyla's team turned up against Inter Milan for that 90 minutes, you know? That was a great night, that. Yeah. That was a really good night. Mm. So I think Anything you're right. I think the, the two like a tie might help us. Yeah. Anything to add, Paul? I, I think just one or two should signings and a real winning mentality 
going into the game than going into the first leg and getting getting the win and getting a good win in the first leg of the the round of thirty two. That's what we need. I think getting a win at Celtic Park in Europe and and like that night against Asana, showing up and and being ruthless and, and scoring goals. Um, yeah, and we'll see what like happens after just that. Grinding stuff out. I mean. One of the things we're doing on the side right now, or Kieran Pollan's doing, is he's looking back at the road to Seville right now. And it's interesting reading the games because, like, obviously people have such romantic ideas about that European campaign, but there was games in uh, along the way there that we didn't play well, but we still managed to find a way to win. Like the Blackburn Celta game. Vigo away. Yeah, Celta Vigo away. The Blackburn game at home, we didn't play well against Blackburn, but still won the game. I mean, we need to find that. We need to find that defiance. That's what I'm looking for. Mm. And you're looking forward to the Europa League, John? Of course, yeah, I can't wait. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Do you echo that, Paul? Yes, absolutely. It's something different than we've not had for a few years. And uh, we've got a chance. Um, we've got a chance of being one of the better teams. Good stuff. Right, personal highlights from the last month or so, because as, as I said at the start of the podcast, and you're probably already wishing that we go away for another month's holiday, but uh, yes, I we have been away. Bastards, yeah. Yes, yes, we have been away for about a month. It's the start of November, so since then, uh, since then we've actually won a trophy, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should probably touch on that first in terms of where it comes into the season. It's our fourth trophy. It's also our fourth trophy while being unbeaten, which is... If you ever told me Celtic would win four trophies while being unbeaten, is just incredible stuff. Um, Got to win the, five and six, so. Well, imagine, just imagine, <laughs> like just imagine, and the Europa League, it'd be incredible. Yeah. But the, the final, final is good. I mean, I'm not going to go on about it too much. But I, I, my thoughts from the day were uh, that I'll just never get tired of watching Celtic lift trophies, even in a time that we live in where we are the best by a margin that I've never seen us being the best by before. Uh, I still kind of had a tear in my eye that you never walk alone. I'll never take <laughs> winning trophies for granted at Hamden. And I thought the team did the business in that day. They beat Motherwell, which of course we know was the first of the, the trilogy, as it's been called, and all the various statements and raging Alan Burrows, etc. Motherwell were irrelevant for a week. Yes, yes, that was a week in the sun, uh, quite <laughs> literally. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a it was a good final. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, it was good. Uh, yeah, it was. It's always enjoyable seeing Celtic win trophies, and we played pretty well in the day. You know, no complaints, and the all the controversies that come out of it. Some sometimes that gives me a, a bit of a buzz, to be honest. See, when sure. we yeah. when we do something a bit a little bit dodgy to win a game, and people go <laughs> mental, quite like that. Should we spend 20 minutes debating the various Sinclair <laughs> penalty incidents? No, they were both penalties, let's go. <laughs> well, what did, what no. did you make of the whole thing, Paul? Because, I mean, it was we did slap down Motherwell, as someone's written in the sheet here. We, we we bodied them for a week, basically, even though we, we didn't win the game on the Wednesday night, we effectively bodied them by not losing it, and it was I took quite a lot of joy from that. I, I think the fact that we, thought we started off by... Um, putting them back in their place when they, th- they thought they were going to end this uh, drought of trophies and we, we beat them without conceding and we were quite comfortable in the end and then they thought oh we're going to stop that unbeaten run if you're going to take our trophy and then bang that that goes away and then we round it off with an absolute scalping and I, th- I don't think it could have been rounded off pe- more more perfectly with the, with the 5-1 win um, but the fact that we got that penalty at Fur Park, I think that was maybe the sweetest yeah. bit of it all. That was a stone waller. Um, what, what was the controversy around that? 
I, I think it's maybe just to see the camera angles and stuff like that that, that were flying about in the, the replays. Because see, because that night there was Celtic TV had all their issues yeah. and stuff like that, but and a lot of people were saying that it wasn't really a penalty and all this, and there was no really conclusive proof straight away. But but like there was there was obvious contact. Yeah. And, it, and I, th- I think so. it was more a penalty than the League Cup one. Yeah. Um, I mean, the League Cup definitely. one was really soft. I thought. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't think it was a penalty. Yeah, it's I, I certainly not think, a red card. But I don't think like people were going on about Scott Sinclair etc. But he, he did feel he did feel himself get touched. It wasn't enough to go over. But I think I think he's well within his rights to try and you know win a penalty from that situation. I've got mm. no sympathy for this thing where you've got to be a gentleman of the game no you've got to win football games and he felt a touch and he went down and that's just how football works now you also had the the one I can't remember now what game it was in but Scott Sinclair had one when he was exactly. back. there was a video going about when he was honest and didn't get anything so mm. you can't have it both ways people can't have it both ways but yeah what, what was your thoughts on that week of body and motherwell it was just I thought it was really funny the whole thing was really good and <laughs> I mean the the match that I I was listening to on the radio the the one in midweek um, and then hearing afterwards all the stuff that came out of that and Motherwell just bleating all week taking the moral high ground and it's just like shut your puss you know like just seriously what he's talking about like you go on about everyone in Scottish football goes on about how Celtic are moaning and moaning about referees etc etc but that's just life that every team moans about referees and that was that was none more true than that week where they just all week all they did was moan about decisions and referees the whole Scottish football it was just constant in the papers and in the radio and then we'd, we took them to Celtic Park and just absolutely battered them and Edward had the hat-trick and then Rogers comes out after the game and just totally slaughters Alan Burrows <laughs> <laughs> and it was just really good because he is a guy who tries to take a lot of credit for stuff on Twitter tries to pander on Twitter panders to the press with pies in the press room and all that pish and like apparently was going about showing incidents of the of the penalty on the Wednesday night mm. to the media, trying to say it was wasn't a penalty, etc. Showing them all the different angles and 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 then the next day had the the gall to go on about the dignity and class and stuff. Then Rogers was bang on to call it out, and he's not tweeted since, so he's still in hiding. So get it right up him. Mm. Yes, last podcast I think we did. We had Chris Henderson going on about how he was eating some humble pie after uh, his comments on James Forrest at the start of the season the rise of James Forrest has just continued in the last month Paul yeah and it's, it's one of these things I'll, I'll take the moral high ground that I went I've, I've seen it coming and I've always been a big advocate of James Forrest and I think the rise is just continuing the trajectory is up um, James Forrest has been brilliant uh, this last week I thought um, the, 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 the cup final I thought it was great um, his goals when he come on at the weekend oh, brilliant yeah. that outside of the foot thing that he always seems to do <laughs> um, and he's been criticised for it in the past and I don't understand it because I know it works so well because it's something you're not expecting and, and a, maybe a defender should be expecting it now because he has done it But and I thought um, he was one of the brightest spots against Anderlecht and he's just cemented his place in the team obviously Roberts is injured now but he, he's he's starting every game he's he's one of the guys you're looking to to score um, I, th- I believe he's on he's, as he, this is the most goals he's ever scored in a season for Celtic by December we're only at the, we're only at the start of December he's got another six months uh, of games and goals to come he could hit 20 um, goals this season uh, quite easily I think he's on 11 10 11 just now he's been our player of the season uh, so far yeah absolutely he's been he's been a standout and I think the 
the, the one thing I don't know how much to read into it, but Patrick Roberts coming back has, has how much has that pushed them on to to go right out? Oh, I want to play for this team. I've signed this new deal. I'm showing why. Uh, this manager's got faith in me, and he needs to come up with the goods every single time. I think I think he's been absolutely sensational this season, James Forrest, especially over the last six weeks or so. I just think he's he looks like the player we we had when or we first thought we had when we first saw him. He's got his pace. He looks fearless. He looks stronger. He looks fitter than he's been before. But for me, the main thing is his, his end product and his, his goal tally and his finishing is better than it's ever been. You feel confident now when James Forrest is getting into positions that he's going to score. And uh, I can't praise him enough, I think, the last six weeks. But mainly all of the season, most of all of the season, he's been excellent. Yeah. Ten goals he scored this season. His previous highest was nine goals. He scored eight goals last season, and obviously we're all, we're only at the start of December, so mm. he's got another half season to go. I think he'll probably get to fifteen, seventeen goals, and that'll be that'll be a good return from him, wouldn't it? Mm. And that's probably a kind of modest prediction as well. I could see him actually getting well into his twenties if he keeps going at it. What about Edward as well? His hat trick that was magic. I didn't see the game, so I don't know if either of you did. And you want? Yeah, to... I did. Yeah, he was really good, <laughs> and like it's just it's refreshing to see a player come into the team. And like, just take his chance when he, he he's only going to get he's only going to get one chance for the first few months of his coming into the team. He's barely played this season. Brendan Rodgers puts him in, and he hits a hat trick. And against a team that we were, weren't exactly free flown against in the previous two matches, and he comes in and just batters a hat trick. The second goal was excellent, mm. and it was just it was it was really good to see. And he, Griffiths has got competition. Dembele's got competition, and that's what we need. And I thought it was good to. I enjoyed seeing him come on against Anderlecht because I'm a big believer that good performances should be rewarded. And he's come in and scored a hat trick, so he should get a run out of the Champions League, give him a taste of that for a bit. So, yeah, I'm delighted to see him progress. I hope he, he goes on and kicks on now. If he ever gets another chance, it would be good. Mm. It's good to know that we've got a third striker that can come in and do a job yes. for us on the day. Exactly, exactly. Anyone else you want to pick up? I know in Cham is on the sheet. Yeah, we've talked about Cham. Yeah, we've kind of talked about him. Yeah. Anything else, Paul? Any highlights from your last month, even if they don't concern Celtic? Um. Oh, hi, well, loads of loads of food highlights. When we talk about them, like what? Yeah. Oh, um, kebabs, pizzas, um, really nice curries. You know, chicken korma. James Hunter's favourite. That Master Chef is what a program that is. Chad Baby and stuff like that. Aye, all that kind of stuff. But football related, no. Um, Celtic has been. What's Samfire? It's been. That's why I want to know. So, <laughs> so, you know, all these weird herbs that nobody's ever heard of. But um, no, it's, it's been it's been good. Um, it's been good to to have a break and actually sitting and indulge the football and watch it, um, and then not talk about it. But I know that's maybe ironic that we're sitting here talking about it. But uh, it's been good to, to enjoy it for uh, my couple of games. Well, the break seems to have done Paul Fisher, a.k.a. Steakhead, a very nice turn, uh, certainly in the predictions league, because you've gone roaring up the table, Paul, since we last did a podcast. You're now level with the master himself, Hamish Carton, on 690 points. You both get 20 at the weekend there. But your um, exploits have probably only been bettered by a man's whose name you'll be well familiar with by now, Mickey BM, who is now the big leader um, on a nice round total of a 1,000 points after getting 100 last week, so a tenth of his total total in one week. Fantastic, 100 points, brilliant. Uh, he's 120 ahead of Big El Boa now, who has um, 
I mean, he's not doing badly. He's in second place, but uh, there's a bit of a gap opening up at the top, and it seems like Mickey BM is the man to beat. Um, news on John McGinley as I scroll down <laughs> uh, the website page. I was away for a bit. Scrolling. Yeah, still scrolling, still scrolling. There All he right. is, 35th. 35th. That's a grand old. A big zero next to your name. Did you forget again? I've forgotten the last couple of weeks, lads. <laughs> I'll get back into it. There's still half the season left. My, my fingers are crossed for this busy period over December when people forget there's games on and I'm hoping a couple of folk forget and then games start and then that's it and I'll just be crawling back up to the top And then the Huddleboard UFC predictor league, I, I've got money in that and I'm due about over 100 quid if it comes in over the next few weeks. So um, all my focus is on that right now. Fair enough. Focus where the money is, that's probably a good mm. um, a good lesson for us all. Uh, do we want to do a few questions, guys? Because yeah, the, the listeners so, yeah. have been very good and sent in some questions for us. Kieran Poland, who will come on to his wonderful Seville articles very shortly, he's asking, um, what is the reason for Scott Sinclair's dip in form? Have you had any I'll, wisdom I'll take with this. regards to this? I, f- I feel like the demise of Scott Sinclair has been a little bit over-exaggerated this season. I don't think he's reaching the heights of last season. And I, I don't think he was, he was really poor against Anderlecht, but he still had a big contribution for us this season, and he's still our top scorer. Like, people forget, he scored 12 goals for us this season, and people a lot of people have been criticising this season, and he's been getting a lot of stick off of Chris Sutton as well. I don't know if you've been picking up on this over the last few weeks, but Chris Sutton's been really laying into him, saying he's not looking confident, etc. And to an extent, he's right. I thought he was... I mean... I thought he was all right in, in the game against Motherwell in the final, and he just in Europe it's been a, a difficult for him. But I don't think we need to worry about Scott Sinclair. I think it's natural he doesn't really have any competition on that left side. I think it's natural that he's going to go through dips and lulls and forms. He can't maintain what he did last season all the time. I think he's still one of our most important players, and I feel a bit like some of the criticism has been a bit overboard for me because I think he's still. One of our top players. Hmm. Yes. Next question. <laughs> James, not that one. Has gone for uh, his negative style. He's asking. Um, he says this team is a still essentially Ronnie Dyla squad, which it is. Are they reverting to type, and have we gone backwards? Two questions for you, Paul. Um, I think the going backwards one I answered earlier on, which I, I don't believe we have, and especially in terms of Europe. We can't say we've gone backwards in terms of league because we've, or, or any cup because we've won everything and we've not lost a game. Um, are we reverting to type? No, I don't think so, and I think December will prove that. What does that mean, uh, reverting think, to type? I think he means going back to the kind of team that were shite under Dyla. Shite, shite bags? Dropping, yes. Dropping points and, and having rubbish performance. No, I don't think so. Nah, I don't think so. Um, I think December will prove this team are, are very much uh, on the up. Celtic Boy 73 how many in our squad are of adequate ability for the Champions League group stage or the knockout stage of the Europa League um, it's kind of a difficult question isn't it I, think, I don't um, think we're far away from being like a really good team I think we just need a, a few bits of quality in key positions like we've been saying on this podcast for about a year now again and again we're just looking for that final, the final pieces of the puzzle I think we're complacent in the summer I think January is a big window I don't think we're too far away from. I don't think we're ever going to be competing at the top of the Champions League, Champions League group. But I don't know about you, Hamish. But I feel like we're we're only one or two players away. Mm. Well, that kind of goes into the next question from Tom Donaldson. Where is our limit to where we can progress with the the limited money we have? I think I would suggest 
right now that the Champions League group stage is our limit in terms of the Champions League Europa League simple answer is and I'm not ducking the issue simple answer is we'll find out I think where our, our limit is at the moment in terms of the Europa League I would suggest that we wouldn't go any further than the last eight I don't think we'd make the, the semi-finals of the Europa League maybe the quarter-finals is a, the target I don't know what, what do you guys think do you think Brendan Rodgers we know he likes to set targets and his target was to finish third in the group I think well, that's well documented what target do you think he'll be setting for the Europa League I mean last eight I think it'll be a, it'll be one of those ones where he'll give a game at a time answer he usually tells people what his target is doesn't he but I think he'll, he'll yeah. just kind of take it as it comes for because it all depends on the draw it all depends on loads of different factors between now and then I think, but a realistic target is just like getting through one round. I think that would be good progress for us, getting through the round of 32 into the last 16 of the Europa League, and then whatever happens. Like, if we do that, then whatever happens, happens, and I'm pretty happy. Mm. George Just, do the team have an issue when it comes to game management like last night? He cites examples in Beersheva and Astana as well. What do you think of that, Paul? Uh, I think it's difficult to, to weigh up last night in, in the game simply because they were knockouts and this is group stages but, but is his um, overall point in terms of the team having a, a problem in terms of game management is that correct? I, I don't think so I think you look at Anderlecht away um, I think you, you look at that game that's, that's a game that we're going to have we're going into that thinking right this is a game we have to win and it's the game where it's going to be slightly different than it would be if we were at home and we went out there and we've done the business so there's 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 going to be issues in games where the, the things that we can't control, people having off days and stuff like that. I don't think it's an overall management issue. I think it's more players dropping form and and then it, that kind of surrounding the one player goes head goes down and goes to other players. I don't think it's anything to do with the management. I, I think it's mm, more the player. I think he's right because I think like I don't think we deal with like the the issues surrounding the game. I don't think we deal with that well at all. I don't think like we're not we don't look at games and. Go at them professionally. I don't in a, in, a, in a manner. I think we're at our best where we kind of don't think about stuff and just go at it. Like that game in Anderlecht that we weren't thinking about our away record in the Champions League or anything like that. We just went at it and took the game to them. Last night, I felt like we were like caught between two places of like having this three goal lead to protect, but also wanting to win the game. And I, I don't think we managed it well at all. I think we got caught between what we wanted to do, and I think it affected the players. So mm. don't know. Right, I'll paraphrase Andrew Mackay's question and give you a scenario in terms of Stuart Armstrong, a team, unnamed team from down south, comes in with a bid uh, for the value that you think he's worth. Uh, are you selling or keeping him, Paul? I'm selling him, absolutely. John, there's no, there's no, there's no two two ways about it. He's, if if the bid comes in that matches valuation, I think he's away. Yeah, he's got to go. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I'm only joking. Like I. I think I, I I don't think we should have so I don't I'm not regretting not selling him in the summer. I think and Sham went through a period where he wasn't looking that great. He went through a dip in form. We've kind of relied on Stuart Armstrong to kind of fill that hole in the team. He's not been great this season. Nowhere near as good as last season. I think if we get a decent offer, it would be silly not to take it as because his mm. contract's only an extra year. He's only got another eighteen months left. So if he gets a decent bid in January or the summer, then he's got to go if he doesn't want to stay. You know, there's that old catch twenty two though, where you've got when a player isn't performing as well for us, they're less likely. You know, they're less likely to kind of get bids going in for them from down south. So it's a difficult one. Beram the Kyle situation. Yes, um, Beram Kyle. There's another one as well uh, in Key. that team. That I've come, oh, Key yeah, went, possibly. 
Key win. Another one I've completely forgotten about in that team that had Izagiri, I suppose, was kind of one nah. to a certain extent. And yeah, he was he's, brilliant. He's a wee better, though. I loved him. Johansson, I think you mean. Johansson, Johansson yeah. as well. Uh, kind of littered with him. The English Championships kind of littered with him, aren't they? Um, Kieran Tierney. We'll talk about him for a wee sec. Martin Joyce is wondering whether KT needs a rest. Yes. Um, <laughs> he certainly feels that he does. Uh, what do you guys think? Who's this competition, though? That's the thing. We don't really have anyone. Calvin Miller. Aye, but can you rely on him? Like this? I wouldn't mind seeing him for a couple of league games. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wouldn't mind. Or going to a back three, or, or Callum McGregor. I don't know. He's Rogers done a few things in the past. Uh, I think Callum Miller was a guy that played last season, didn't he? In a couple of games in yeah. December. I, th- I think in December, which we of course are in now, uh, About we'll see a lot. Games, of, yeah, yeah. I think it's eight or nine, isn't it? It's yeah. like oh, a crazy number. I think we'll see a lot of. Uh, these kind of players like I think Brendan Rodgers quite enjoys doing that certainly now that the Champions League's been in, been in done and, and the League Cup's in the bag I think he'll do that this month I agree certainly second point is does uh, Encham need to run of games we've kind of covered that I think I'd quite like to see Encham getting a wee run of, great run of games at the moment I think he performed quite well last night I get the impression that he is improving with every game he plays a bit like Abu Kouassi who I'd also like to see in December, the month of December. So yes, I'd like to see a bit more of Encham. I think he's got a lot to offer us. Uh, I think he's kind of settling in now, and I get the feeling that he's Tierney. ready to perform for us now. Tierney enjoys playing with Encham. I feel like, and I think Dembele enjoys playing in front of him too. I think I got that impression yesterday. Mm-hmm. The second yeah. half, Dembele was he seemed more switched on and more in mm-hmm. tune with Encham straight I mean, away. Tierney kind of does an overlap, and I think Encham is one of the players that has the vision to spot it and mm-hmm. feed him the ball. So I'd quite like to see Encham get on the team, yeah. And a final one, it's a big question. Armakai72, how would you rate each of Brendan Rodgers' <laughs> signings based on actual appearances and performances this season, not past Ooh. performances or potential? Uh, so, That's yeah, we'll t- t- yeah. touching a couple of them, yeah, we've got, and Cham's the first one that comes to mind. Uh, so, based based on his actual performances so far and his, his appearances as well, what would you think of, of Cham? Uh, I think he's he's bags of potential. Um, we make this he, simple. He, we go dud or good. Oh, he's good. There's no way he's a dud. Well, I, I'm not having any saying he's a dud. Six or, six or seven. I would say uh, six or seven. He, he's he's getting towards the upper end of of this team. Um, he, a few more good performances. He's got a goal on him, and he can spot a pass um, when other people can't. He, he he's a top there's, player. There's been games that have passed him by though. That's kind of the question mark, isn't it? Well, I want mm. to see out of Encham's consistency. That's the big thing I want to see out of him. So I would maybe see maybe six or seven for Encham. If he performs consistently over the next month or so, it would go up to an eight quite quickly. Mm. I'd give him a. I'd give him a six. Yeah. At the moment, uh, yeah, I feel like he's. I feel like he's got something there. He's not a dud. He's a good player. He's got something there. I can see why we've forked out this money for him. I just want to see why we fucked out this money for him if you know what I mean I want to see it from him but yeah I think he's definitely got something about him Dembele this season Uh, I would say a 7 for Dembele he had his injuries issues but when he came into the team was he scored like 8 goals in his last or 7 goals in his last 9 games or something that's decent Hmm. I don't, I don't know about I don't know about Dembele as you say he's had his injury issues and he's come back into things but it's hard when he's kind of performed, and I thought he was disappointing last night. And that's always freshest on your memory. But we still know we've got we've got a quality player there with Dembele. Yeah, we still know what his quality. This season, um, I would I, say seven so far for him. I'll go slightly lower. I'll, I'll give him. I'll give him a six. 
Last season was a nah, minor I think, ten. I think seven. Yeah. I think last season is is the benchmark into it, and it's hard to it's hard to to look past that. But this season, obviously, injuries play an issue. Um, he scored goals. He's he's made goals, and he's he scored winners in cup finals. You can't look past that. What about Patrick Roberts then? Because I know he's injured, and we've not actually touched on it yet. Looks like he's going to be out for about three months, uh, which will take us into about March. His contract will be up at the end of May. You wonder whether we'll see Patrick Roberts again at Celtic. Yeah, it's difficult because when you think about it, like three months he's out, so that takes it like into February. And then, like, you'll need a month to come back to full fitness. That takes into March. Like, we've probably we're thinking towards next season again. I mean, are we going to sign him? I don't think we will sign him. And Forrest has come into a game. It's just a difficult situation. The injury is a real killer to kind of what he's wanted to do in the second season at Celtic, I think. Like, the fact he's gone back to Manchester City and stuff, it's a real blow. And it's totally not his fault. But he's not done much this season, so we can't really give him a high score, can we? You'd say it's a four or a five or something, like... Uh, through no fault of his own in some respects because he's not really had much he's not really had massive chances in the team but and he got injured but as you know he's not done much at all mm. Paul I think you're you're talking three or four one yeah. goal um, a couple of decent games but apart from that um, outshone outshone and outplayed by James Forrest we're talking about Johnny Hayes then because there's been a wee bit of debate about Johnny Hayes and he was signed this Five. summer Right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know. But like, I thought he was good. Actually, I know you didn't see the game, but he was actually pretty good against Motherwell. So I heard. Yeah, he was pretty good. Um, that was his best game for us, but he's not done much, has he? He's not done much. Do you remember a guy called Kundai Benyu? <laughs> he was a good player. Mm, was he? A while ago, I liked him. Okay, liked right. as if he's away for good. Not see, he must. I mean, I know there was chat about him going out and loan, but I mean, nothing's. Nothing's. He's not been out and loan, but he's not been in the team either. So I, I don't know. If, I I think you'll probably see him go out and loan in January. That that'd be my guesstimation. What was Scott uh, Sinclair? Seven. <sighs> I feel seven's I a think. little bit too high. No, Hamish, you've got a short memory. Like between how many goals he has he scored? This Twelve goals. goals. Like between July and September, he was by far our best player. What's he done in the Champions League? Well, he scored to get us into the group stages. He scored against Linfield. He scored against. Yeah, no count goal. He scored three against Astana. Did he? Yeah, scored scored two <laughs> two in the home game. He scored away from home. Like yeah. what, what more are we looking for from him? I think it was his six or seven goals in the Champions League. He scored penalty against. He's, he scored Monterey. one goal in the Champions League. I'm not counting Astana. I'm counting group stage games. I get the fact. I get that. Maybe my my scored problem against is. Anderlecht. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Maybe my problem is that I have. I think he's better than he is. Maybe I'm expecting too much. I'm expecting him to go rip road in it, full backs, Bayern and PSG full backs, and beat them. And he's just not maybe of that ability anymore. Maybe he was back in his Swansea days. Maybe he's not got it anymore. Maybe I'm harsh. Maybe I expect too much, and that's what's clouding my judgment. Be- between but, uh, between yeah. that and the left game and now, granted that he's he's had a difficult he had a difficult patch of games, but he's not been at his best. But I think like he, he's gonna he's gonna be really important for us this season. People are, writing him off that, too yeah. quick. People are writing him off too quick. He won the penalty against Motherwell to seal the League Cup and then he scored the penalty to keep the unbeaten one going as well. There's big moments in this season for him so far. Right, fair play, fair play. That's me shushed again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're supposed to be the positive one, Hamish. I know, but roles are reversed, <laughs> apparently. Odson Edward. Uh, it's six, cause, just because he's not had a chance, but I mean, that hat trick, he's shown promise. 
the goal against Hamilton, he looked good on that on that game as well. So, yeah, decent from him. I'm quite optimistic about. Like, I think he has a role in the squad and can clearly come into the team and do a job. So, fair play. Mm. I mean, we didn't see him for a while after he scored that goal against Hamilton. I think he came on as a sub against PSG and he maybe started a game against Ross County or something like that at home and he didn't do a hell of a lot. But that hat-trick seems to have it really, hopefully, well, have kicked him on. He certainly looked confident when he came on and uh, against Anderlecht. And I, I give him a six as well. I, I quite like the look of this guy. I think he could be good... Um, it's just whether he'll be good for us or not I mean he could be another one that could be a French international in, in five years time, who knows because he's he certainly got talent and he's not at PSG for no reason Doris De Vries, uh, 10 out of 10 I'd give him a 9 probably <laughs> well he's, he's really been, good uh, in that game against Dundee and Sunderland as well oh Sunderland, yeah, but he, like, he kept on being pretty much kept on being run going against <laughs> Dundee yeah, so, what a guy what a guy what a guy. Right, we've got uh, Kieran Pollan's stuff in terms of the road to Seville. What stage of the, the road to Seville are we at? Are we at Celta Vigo yet? Yeah, we're up to the Celta Vigo first leg. Um, he's gone through Blackburn home and away, which was really good. And after we kind of swept him aside at Ewood Park, uh, we drew Celta Vigo, who were really good at the time that we played them yes. it was like the, the most successful time in Celta Vigo's entire history really mm. when they were dubbed Euro Celta um, and beat some good teams over like a, a five or six year period and we kind of played them four years into that so he's written at length about that match with the highlights etc and his team and good stuff like that and it's, I've been really enjoying his articles you should check them out we kind of post them on the day that the match took place or on the date that the match took place 15 years on so look out for leg two of that one as the road to Seville continues mm. who's the who's the Celta Vigo player you remember most oh Jesus um, so one always sticks out for me I don't know why but he always sticks out for me go for it Benny McCarthy remember oh him? yeah, yeah. He, won the, he went on to win the Champions League with Porto or did he? Yeah. That just shows the level. I think they had a few other players that I'd be interested in. I think Kieran actually mentions a few of them in his article. But if you looked at their team that night or, or the two nights, the two legs, you'd actually have a lot of names. You'd go, oh, did he play for them? Because he went on to play for, I don't know, Real Madrid or Atletico or Barcelona, teams like that. Like, they were a good team. And I think that was probably maybe Boa Vista aside, it was probably the toughest tie. And, and the whole run I mean all the ties were, were pretty tough when you look at them that's what made it such a good run yeah like um, I mean Celta Vigo were third or fourth or something in, in La Liga at the yeah. time like they were at the top end and that's when La Liga was really good like La Liga was pretty good during that period if I recall correctly and, and you know with Henrik Larsson coming up with the goods just kind of always in the right place at the right time that's what I mean we kind of dug results out even when we didn't play well um, mm. and that's what that team had that's the X factor any news on the Sunday shoot, Paul Fisher? Um, lack of <laughs> Sunday shoots, May, maybe. I, no, I think just the fact that um, my working life has been an absolute uh, nightmare over the last month or so. Has the um, Sunday shoot with, become the Sunday snooze? Yeah, well, it has been recently because I've been using my Saturdays to, to get my frustration and energy out and getting absolutely steaming and then... <laughs> Snoozing away on Sundays, but uh, nah, oh, that's it. Pretty much, it's been it's it's been non-stop. Um, but hopefully, uh, things will go back to normal. Uh, find out this week. So 
if I get the good news, um, I might feel um, I, I might might take something on that one of the guys said. It was one of the questions I think we we missed off, and and it it, it sounds quite interesting to me that um, we don't know. It was the um, the Brendan years on on Twitter said age wise slash experience compare the squad to Martin O'Neill's squad, Ooh. and. I did. A, I remember doing a kind of slight comparison in terms of the, the two squads and looking at it before. Um, it might be interesting to do it again to see um, where, where the improvements have came and and how how good how good this team actually are. So um, stuff like that in the back burner, and there is other ideas kicking about. So you, it's not dead; it will return. It's just away for a bit. Just like Rangers. That's it. Oh, they'll return. Come on. We a wee joke to end the podcast there. Uh, we're going to say goodbye now. Um, John McGinley and Paul yes. Fisher, thank you for for thank taking you. the time to to chat about <laughs> chat about Celtic. Um, we will be back uh, hopefully on a Sunday slot at some point, probably not this Sunday, but who knows? Um, we'll see you soon. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Keep tweeting about us. You can get us on Twitter uh, at Fritz Grand Old. Same on Facebook. Um, leave a review on iTunes. Just a nice review, though, please. Uh, and thank you. Take care. Hail, hail, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye.